right, so we got another job to do. We might as well get with it. In the Gospel of St. John, uh, chapter number 8. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter number 8. Let's begin at verse 1. John chapter 8, verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. Look at 53 of verse 7, of chapter 7. Every man went unto his own house. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. You see that? He said the birds have... Nests, the fowls of the air have their nests, the foxes have their holes. I don't even have a place to lay my head. He went to the Mount of Olives early in the morning. He came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said tempting him that they might have to accuse him. They didn't care nothing about the woman. They was wanting to use her to get to Jesus. If he said stone her, there was a they they would they would go one way if he said uh, let her go they would go another way they had him any way he went he couldn't get out of it and uh, so what he did he stooped down and with his finger he wrote on the ground as he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it being, here's my word, being convicted, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us tonight. Lord, we need your help physically. We need your help spiritually. We need, God, for you to uh, just take over the reins of our preaching, that you'd use us, because we know that pleased you by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. So, our Father, I ask you today that you back up your preacher in Jesus' name. Amen. In the process of salvation, there is an element uh, that the old-timers called conviction. Uh, you don't hear much about that today. But that's what happened to these men. They were convicted. Get her thoughts from a Greek word there that is uh, elencho, elencho. 
And uh, in some pronunciations, I, I hear the, the word lynch. Don't you? In a lynch. Now, when I think of lynching somebody, I think about them dragging them out of the house and throwing a rope over a limb and, and uh, uh, without a trial, hanging them. But that breaks down under the word. Because you see, God doesn't hang anybody without a trial. In fact, I'm thinking now of a man named Belshazzar. And in the fifth chapter of the book of Daniel, God told him, Thou art weighed in the balance and found one. Conviction is that that you feel in your soul that you are under the judgment of Almighty God. You can't be saved without. Amen. This easy believism stuff uh, where you just uh, say a prayer, repeat after me. If you don't have any conviction, that means you don't see the truth. (coughs) You see the uh, uh, utter loathsomeness of your sin the tremendous cavern that separates you from the God of heaven and His salvation. A great canyon, a great gulf was described by Abraham that separated the righteous from the wicked. Squire Parsons wrote a song, The gulf that separated me from Christ my Lord. It was so vast a cross and I could never ford. From where I was to His domain, it seemed so far. I cried, dear Lord, I cannot come to where you are. Conviction. You see, uh, we see God's holiness. We see His majesty, His glory. And we see our completely fallen estate. We see that we are lost without help. We see ourselves as sinners. The old preacher from New England, Jonathan Edwards, said, Sinners in the hands of an angry God. That will wake us up when we come to that knowledge. America today has no knowledge that they're even sinning against God. Now, most people do not like that kind of preaching because it rubs the cat the wrong way and, and they're not about to turn that cat around where, where it'll, it'll soothe them down. We think I'm okay, you're okay. But the truth of the matter is that none of us okay. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is expedient for you that I go away and if I go not away, the comforter will not come. But if I go away, I will send him and he will convict you. He will convince the world of sin and of righteousness and judgment to come. Uh, Of sin because they believe not on me. That's the sin. The sin that we don't believe on Jesus. Amen. We don't believe that uh, he can save us all by himself. Some of us believe, well, we got to uh, be baptized. Some of us believe that, well, we've got to roll in the floor and speak in tongues. Some of us believe we've got to pray and pray and pray until a light comes into the room. 
We refuse to believe that Jesus is capable of saving us all by himself if we'll just believe him. And conviction of the Holy Spirit is sent there to to get you to realize uh, 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 believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is how you'll be saved. Uh, And then he said, of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you don't see me as an example anymore. And without Jesus, there is no example of righteousness. You think about that. I mean, we would like to claim that we're righteous people, but without Jesus, there's no righteousness. Not in my life and not in your life. And then he said of judgment, because the world's going to be judged one of these days. The prince of this world is judged. But you see, it's the job of the Holy Spirit of God to convict the world of its sin. The prophet Isaiah uh, uh, said it this way in chapter 6, verse 5, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among people of unclean lips. Not only am I a sinner, but they're also sinners. Everywhere I look, I see sinners. Uh, The realization uh, uh, that he was himself a sinner. Now, conviction of the Holy Spirit is more than just a sense of guilt. Oh, yeah, anybody that steals anything should experience guilt. Saved or lost, unless you're reprobate. Amen, unless you done turned over to a reprobate mind, uh, 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 then you'd, you'd have a, a feeling of guilt. We're in, constructed in such a way that it's an embarrassment to us whenever we sin against God. It's a shame for us whenever we do something that's wrong. Uh, uh, there can be a sense of thinking that our sins do need some form of punishment somewhere. We have maybe in the past read our Bible or heard some preacher preach or someone testify about the wages of sin being dead. A man can assent to the scriptures that teach that the wicked will be turned into hell and that they have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. <laughs> but they conclude that it, somehow it doesn't apply to me. It applies to everybody else but it doesn't apply to me. The mistake that America makes is the mistake that Pharaoh made there in in Egypt. Pharaoh was bombarded one time with filthy frogs everywhere he looked. uh, Frogs were everywhere. They was in the kitchen. You couldn't make biscuits because they was in the kneading troughs. Uh, You couldn't entertain because they were in the living room. Uh, You couldn't even sleep because they were in the bedchamber. And Moses asked him, he said, would you like to be rid of them? And Pharaoh said, I would certainly like to be rid of them. Exodus chapter 8 verse 9, Moses said to Pharaoh, Glory over me, when shall I entreat for thee and thy servants, thy people, to destroy the frogs uh, uh, from your houses and the only place they'll stay is in the river. And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. Now, that's America's mistake. Yeah, we want to get saved. Yeah, we want to live for God. Yeah, we want to go to heaven when we die. But we want all that to happen tomorrow. The Bible says now is the accepted time. 
Now is the day of salvation. And so that conviction that he had was useless if he put it off until tomorrow. Just knowing that something is good or evil, right or wrong, that's not conviction, that's the age of accountability. Uh, the truth is, if we're experiencing nothing more than a pang of our conscience, uh, uh, man, the anxiety at the thought of the judgment or the academic awareness that we have never truly known the convictions of sin. Uh, so, preacher, what then is real conviction? What is Bible conviction? Well, that's what I'm getting ready to tell you. Conviction changes your mind about sin. It changes your attitude about sin. We see that sin dishonors the God that made us and loved us and sent His Son to die for our place. We see that our sins are the reason that Jesus Christ had to suffer on the cross of Calvary. David realized that ultimately his sin was an offense against God, a God that loved him and wanted only the best for him. When God gives us commandments, they're not there to restrain us. They're there to help us. They're not there to harm us. They're there to help us. It was the Holy Spirit that caused Joseph to cry out, how can I do this great evil and sin against God? You may think that you're not hurting anybody but yourself. But the truth is, if nobody in the world cares, God in heaven cares, and you're breaking the heart of a God that loved you. It doesn't matter that you disappoint and grieve your preacher. It doesn't matter that you disappoint and grieve your mom or your dad or your wife or your husband. But think of what your sin is doing to Jesus. I think that that old Philippian jailer was concerned more about his soul than he was about his job. When he sprang in, called for a light, and, and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, Paul and Silas were in a street preaching ministry. And they had this little girl uh, uh, that was following them around, a poor little girl. But she was enslaved to her masters and th with her ability uh, uh, to soothsay, they were ma making money. Drug dealers and worse, slave to the master. Master from hell is the devil. Paul cast the devil out of her. Amen. Do you know some people get mad if you get saved? <laughs> you, you believe that? Some people really get uh, ticked off at you for getting saved. They had Paul and Silas thrown in that old Philippian jail. If you ever read the description of the first century jails, you know that it wasn't the Marriott they were staying in. They had reason to complain. They had read uh, uh, that they had decided, rather than, rather than complain, they decided that they were going to have church. Amen. Hallelujah. And they begin to sing and to praise God, knowing that where two or three are gathered together in his name, there he'd be with them. At midnight they were singing and praising God when an earthquake rocked Philippi, and the cells were open and the prisoners were set free. The jailer realizing that he had uh, uh, 
not performed his job, and by not performing his job, it would cost him his life. He drew his sword and would have uh, uh, killed him own self suicide. Uh, amen. Uh, but Paul cried out, do thyself no harm. We're all here. Can you imagine going out to South Central and opening every door out there and everybody still stay where they are? Do thyself no harm. We are all here. Uh, uh, John 8, 36, If the Son, therefore, shall make you free, you're free indeed. You don't, you don't have to worry about whether you're in jail or not. The jailer called for a light. Boy, that would preach. He called for a light. That's what we need. But you see, men love darkness. They don't love the light. But here was a man convicted of his sin and he sprang in and called for a light and, and said, what must I do to be saved? Uh, Paul and Silas uh, saying, uh, uh, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Now the jailer's question, what must I do to be saved, implies that he'd already heard about salvation. Uh, he'd already heard them preaching and singing about salvation, prisoners proclaiming the way, along with their praying, their singing. There was a miraculous earthquake, uh, and Paul's concern for the jailer's life and his faith deepened the conviction on that man and led to his conversion. When the Holy Spirit convicts people of their sin, he represents the righteous judgment of God. The Bible said the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of the joints and the marrow and the soul and the spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And when he convicts you, there is no appeal. You know, I heard a lawyer say appeals are for losers. But there's no appeal to that conviction. The verdict is guilty, worthy of death. The Holy Spirit not only convicts people of sin, but He's the one that brings them to the point of repentance. Acts 17, 30, but now uh, commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Acts 20, 21, testifying both to the Jews and to the Greeks, uh, a repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Acts 26, 20, but he showed first unto them at Damascus and them the Gentiles that they should repent and do something about repentance. The Holy Spirit brings to light our relationship to God. Do you have one? Amen. It will br he will bring it about what kind you have. The convicting power of the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to our sin, opens our hearts to receive His grace. Acts 16, 14, a certain woman named Lydia was a seller of purple, the city of Thyatira. She worshiped God. She heard Paul and the Bible said, whose heart the Lord opened. She attended to the things which were spoken of by Paul. I must say that that it's the Lord that opened my heart many years ago. It was a work of God that brought me to repentance. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should pose. Praise the Lord for conviction of sin. 
Without it, there could be no salvation. No one is saved apart from the convicting Spirit of God and the regenerating work of the Spirit in their heart. The Bible teaches that all people by nature are sinners and rebels against God. Strangers from the covenants of promise, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, hostile to Jesus Christ, without God and without hope in the world. They're dead in trespasses and sins. Jesus said, no one can come to me except the Father draw him. Part of that draw is that conviction. That's what he's doing. He is convicting them when he draws them. I think Paul told the Corinthian people, now I rejoice not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner, that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of this world worketh death. Conviction, then, according to the Bible, is a good thing. It is a good thing when our wrongdoing and our sin is brought to light. And we see how ugly we are in the sight of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have a habit of seeing how ugly that one is. Or how ugly this one is. But God wants us to see how ugly we are. How, what our sin is. But you know, sin is deceitful. I mean, it never wants to be revealed. And conviction can hurt. But that sting is what causes us to show our need, see our need, to change our ways. This is the sorrow that God wants of His people. A sorrow that leads away from sin and results in salvation. Sin does not want to be revealed. It wants to stay in the dark. Amen. Men love darkness rather than light. But we read in our Bible about men like Belshazzar, Nebuchadnezzar, or even David. They all experienced the convicting power of God. God wants us to use their stories for our learning. When we go astray, our loving God convicts us in our need to repent and turn from darkness to light. Now here are three ways that, that will produce conviction in your life. Number one, just read that old book. Amen. That, that is a source of conviction. Read the Bible. It'll tell you what God wants you to do and what God wants you to know if we'll read the Bible. Second, we need to listen to the convicting power of the Holy Ghost as you hear uh, your conscience bearing witness like these men in John 8. <laughs> what he says is true. God has a preacher to preach to you. David had Nathan the prophet and Nathan's message was you're the man. You're the man. He spoke truth to David. He spoke truth to David's life and he did so as gently as he could. He was, he was standing before the king but David realized that he was the one that done wrong. Oh, Josiah or, or, or Joab may have had part in it or or, or uh, Uriah the Hittite may have been the, the uh, promoter of it, or Bathsheba, but David had to realize, hey, I got a part in it. I'm the one that did what I did. Amen. God uses means. Uh, the, 
means that God uses is, is preaching. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let, let me let me close Acts chapter chapter two. Let let me read this to you. Acts chapter two. Verse 47 is talking about the people after they'd heard the word of God and after they, even after they'd been baptized. The Bible said that the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now understand this. The Lord didn't just come down and pick somebody up and say, I will put you in the church. The Lord put it on Peter's heart to preach. And that preaching caused conviction. Do you see what I'm talking about? And, and when that conviction, when it set in on the people and they were willing to repent and believe the gospel, uh, uh, in, in this particular case, there, there was baptism involved. But nevertheless, whenever he, 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 used, he used those means to add to the church, now, look in, in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, uh, 13. I, I believe I got that right. Maybe I don't have it right. I'll just quote it. It's there somewhere. It says, The Spirit baptizes people into the body of Christ. So, what am I to understand? Am I understand that I'm just walking along the road down and, and the Spirit comes by and, and grabs me and sticks me in the body of Christ? No, what has happened, God is showing you the final product, but the means by that Spirit baptism <coughs> The means was they had to hear preaching. And that preaching had to convict their heart. And when they were convicted of their, their sins, they repented of their sins. And they asked the Lord. All those steps were involved. And then the Spirit puts them in the body of Christ. You see what I'm talking about? So there were, there were men, and I'm closing, trying to close. I'm uh, in a closing state of mind. Uh, there, there were... People there in John 8 that they come in there with the idea that they were going to trap Jesus. But Jesus trapped them. Amen. You dig a pit, you fall in that same pit. And so they were convicted. All uh, starting at the uh, eldest right down to the least. They, every one of them was convicted and they knew that they were guilty. They were trying to cast stones at the woman. But they were the ones that were guilty. Let me ask you. Have you ever sat in the seat or, uh, I don't know, maybe down by the river bank, but it come to your knowledge that you were a sinner and that unless something was done, you were going to go to hell. Ever come to your knowledge? 
Amen. I hope it has. I thank the Lord that I one day saw myself as a sinner lost and helpless and hopeless without God. But then the light came on. I called for a light and it came on. And the light said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let's bow for prayer.